begin so many times in life if we don't have the right people with us, if we don't have the right people around us, we can end off so far off course. We can end up doing things and in places that we never intended or even remotely desired to be. Look, church, when it comes right down to, we've been talking about this almost every single week, that when it comes to our relationships, when it comes to our relationships, look, our relationships are a map of our life. They're a mirror of who we are. So do you like what you see? Hey, do you like where you're going? Our relationships are, they really do matter right now. And we need to examine where we are because sometimes the lack of the right relationships might lead us off course. But see, there is a relationship that keeps us going. There's a relationship that the Lord himself has instituted that helps us keep moving forward in this life. A relationship that helps us see the finish line is more than just happiness, a nice car, or not eating any raw snakes or lizards. This relationship helps us, by God's grace, continue to move forward in this life. In fact, church, this relationship matters, and this relationship is with the church. Christ uses this relationship to continue to help us to move forward in this life. In fact, to move forward in life, you don't just go to church, you need the church. Look, we need to be like Jesus, we need to follow Jesus, and we need to be like him. One of the main ways that God has chosen to help us to see our need for him and to be like him and to follow him is with our relationship with the church. In fact, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10. The book of Hebrews can at times be a very challenging book to study or to look at in God's word. In fact, some parts of the book of Hebrews, it is so crystal clear, it is so good, it's so encouraging, and it's so challenging. And there's some parts in the book of Hebrews where you're like, say what? Like what in the world is the writer talking about there? But one of the challenges in the book is that it was primarily written to a Jewish audience, a Jewish audience who had believed in Jesus. And the writer of Hebrews takes time to make all these Old Testament connections with this New Testament church, with these Jewish believers, showing that all the things that they've been praying for and hoping for that were prophesied in the Old Testament had now been fulfilled in Christ. And one of the things that is crystal clear from the context and the history of the book of Hebrews is that the believers who this was written to, they were also under great persecution. In fact, they were under persecution by Emperor Nero. Emperor Nero in the first century was the emperor of Rome who actually instituted this this great persecution of Christians. He was the one who started the gladiator sports where literally Christians were mauled in arenas. He's the one who would put Christians on post and burn them to use them as candlesticks for the city. The Roman emperor Nero, he hated Christians and there was intense persecution happening to them. And look, these followers of Jesus were seeing less and less people around them. It was in part because the persecution and the execution of the believers was so great. But see, they were also seeing less and less people around them because people were exiting from the gathering of the believers. 
One of the reasons why Hebrews was written was because the writer wanted to show this body of believers, this group of Jesus followers, because they were asking the question, look, is it worth it? Is it worth it for us to follow Jesus? If we move forward in Christ, it seems like death is our destiny. So is it worth it to keep following Jesus even when all this persecution is happening around us and happening to us? And the writer of Hebrews challenges the people to stir one another on, to move forward, and shows that Christ does this through the church. To move forward in life, church, you need the church. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Let us pray together. Again, Father God, we praise you for your word. God, we praise you that in this life, in Christ, we can move forward. We need Jesus. We need to be like Jesus. We need to follow Jesus. But would you help us to do that today? God, I know and I hope our church even sees right now as we go through this passage talking about the incredible need that we all have for the church. I hope they see that we are not talking about a building. But God, we're talking about the people that you've called, that you've saved. God, help us today even to stir one another on to what is good, what is right, what is even holy, what is even honoring to you. God, I even pray that if there's someone today, Lord, who has not yet trusted you, who is not in Christ, God, may this be the day that they see that the gospel isn't just for everyone else, but it's for them. May they trust you as Lord. May they live in this family called the church. God, bless your word today. God, may I decrease and God, may your word increase today. In Jesus' name, amen. Look, church, to move forward in life, we need the church, okay? And number one, write this down. We need the church to help us to live with authenticity. We need the church to help us to live with authenticity. You know, oftentimes, too often even, the church has presented this idea that people are actually to live perfectly. And look, to some extent, I get it. God does call us to be holy as he is holy, in fact, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13, he calls his followers to be holy just like he is holy. But sometimes because of this calling that God has on our lives, like we need to remember, look, the pursuit of holiness, it does matter. In fact, if you are in Christ, we're not trying to be like everyone else. 
If you are in Christ, we are trying to be like Christ. And he has this high calling on us to pursue holiness. So I get it. That's why sometimes maybe Christians actually do put on some type of front. Um, sometimes they may even try to put on display that life is all good. And sometimes, like, as we've even said these words, or people have heard these words that we're called to be holy like God is holy, why sometimes it has even been misinterpreted that way that we are supposed to be perfect in this life. In fact, later in Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews actually helps shed some light on the calling that Christ has on his followers. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, he writes, Look, let us lay aside every weight and sin, which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Look, the day is coming that our faith in Christ, those who have faith in Christ, your faith was founded in him, And the day is coming when your faith will be perfected in him. That completion is going to happen. But right now, when we're still here on earth, there are still some sins. There are still some behaviors, some practices that cling to us. And right now, as we are running this race of life, look, the Lord is found. He founded our faith, but he's also working toward perfecting our faith. And if you want a term for that to help you understand that, the term is called sanctification. It's a reminder that if you are in Christ, you are also in process. That the Lord is working this process of sanctification in you and through you. And while we're here on this earth, as we run this race, look, we need to keep in mind that holiness, perfection, this completion in Christ actually doesn't come until we are with Christ. But even though we are called to be holy like him, it's a reminder that we are called to live authentically like Jesus did and called to live authentically, not perfectly, but authentically. In fact, look back at verse 21 in Hebrews chapter 10. The writer says, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, he says, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with a true heart in full assurance of faith. You know, house of God right here is a reference to all of God's people, all of those people who are his children. In fact, did you know that everyone is made by God, but not everyone is a child of God? Every single person has been created by God, but not every single person is a child of God. For you to be a child of God, you have to be in Christ to believe the good news about the gospel, to believe this good news about Jesus, that this Jesus who is God died on the cross to pay the price for your sins, and then he bodily rose from the dead three days later. And if you repent of that sin and believe in Jesus, you receive all the benefits that come with following him. And one of those benefits is that you get to be a part of the family of God. So house of God here is a reference to all those who are actually in God's family. But the writer says, look, draw near with a true heart in full assurance. You know, church, this whole series that we've been doing, as we've been looking at relationships, it's an evaluation series. It's good for us to pause during seasons for us to evaluate where we are. 
Because sometimes you don't know where you're going until you actually take a look and see where you are right now in this season. Look, we're challenged here in Hebrews to draw near with a true heart. A true heart is one that is sincere. It's one that is actually authentic. Look, the writer of Hebrews is talking about how this access that we now have through God, to God the Father through Christ, that we are able to come into his presence boldly with humility, but also with some realness. Look, you don't have to pretend with Christ that you have it all together. In fact, he knows that you don't have it all together. He knows that we don't have it all together and we still need him every single day. In fact, we don't pretend like life is perfect when we have these true, sincere hearts because of Christ. Look, a true heart is one that knows that God, that in him we can always bring our confession to him. A true heart is one that continually realizes that we need the truth of the gospel every single day. Again, the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness and the love that is in Christ. That when we believe the gospel, it wasn't just for one day, but it is for today. We believe this good news about Jesus and we realize that we still need him every single day. And we're seeing life with this sincere heart, this true heart, this authentic heart. It's one that realizes that at times we are going to be hypocrites. Because of this sin that at times still clings so closely, we realize that at times we, we still do mess up, we still do say one thing, and we still do do another. In fact, church, I love to do some Sunday morning surveys. So let me ask you a question, okay? By show of hands in here, how many of you have ever been a hypocrite? Raise your hand up, okay? Look, as the pastor, I'll raise two hands up, okay? In fact, sometimes I'm still so surprised at the amount of hypocrisy in my own heart. You know, my, uh, one of the, the verses that our family has at home that's hung up on our refrigerator is Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1, where it simply says, look, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a gentle word, a gentle, or excuse me, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Because we want our kids, we want the tone in our home to be one where wherever someone responds to you or you respond to them, you're responding in a godly way. And we don't want to respond with harsh words or words filled with anger. Man, we want it to be gentle words when we're trying to understand each other and we're trying to reflect the heart of God in our home. So oftentimes, like, we're trying to teach our kids that as people respond to them, as they respond to someone else, that this is what they need to do. And my wife and I, we really do want to mirror that to them in our homes. And let me just throw out this, this disclaimer, okay? Look, we really, 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 really love our kids. We do. We really love all four of them equally, not some of them more than another. We love every single one of our kids. But I'll tell you this, one of my favorite times of the day is when we put all the kids to bed and then they are no longer around. That's one of my favorite times. And part of the reason why it's such a favorite time during the day is because it's just time for my wife and I to be together. And we don't have very long, I mean, by the time like we do our bedtime routine and we get the kids to sleep, it's maybe an hour before we have to go to sleep to get ready for the next day. 
But during that time, man, we'll spend some time just talking, some time reading, some time maybe getting into a show that we really love. And I covet, I love that time with just her. But oftentimes, again, because there's four children in the house, that time is often interrupted with some issues and then also a lot of non-issues as well. And the other night, um, it was that time, my wife and I, we were together downstairs in our living room, just hanging out with each other. And then our oldest daughter came downstairs. And my very first thought was, what in the world is this interruption all about? And she actually came, and I, we didn't know this was going on, but see, her room faces the cul-de-sac where our house is out into the street. Her room faces that way. And she came downstairs and she said, look, Dad, there's a bunch of emergency vehicles outside. And it turns out that they were actually going to one of our neighbor's house because we found out later on they were having this medical emergency. And my first thought, as our daughter is telling this, look, there's ambulances outside, there's a fire truck outside. My first thought wasn't like, oh, let's get on our knees right now and be, go and intervene, like, on behalf, like, of the Lord for our neighbors. My first thought was like, it's probably fine, child, let's go back upstairs. And I remember our daughter, our 12-year-old daughter, Micaiah, said, Dad, this could be really serious. We need to pray for our neighbor. And she took time in that moment and prayed for our neighbor by name. Again, my 12-year-old daughter in that moment was being way more Christ-like than I was. And so after we prayed for them and then sent her back upstairs, another child came downstairs. <laughs> our oldest son came downstairs, and again, my first thought, church, and again, I, I, sometimes I hate to even admit these things to you, but my first thought when he came downstairs wasn't like, oh, something wrong. Uh, what can we do to help him? Maybe he saw the ambulances too because his room also faces that way. But my first thought was, go back up to your room as soon as he even opened his mouth. And I could tell by the, by the way I said that, as he said, okay, dad, that I had wounded him. And then trying to backpedal a little bit, I said to him, I said, I said, was there even anything wrong? And he said, I saw the ambulances outside and he bust into tears. And he was like, I was just concerned for our neighbor. He was like, I was concerned that something might have been wrong. Maybe he got murdered. Like, I have no idea what's going on. And then my sweet, godly wife, again, doing what probably what I should have done, took our son, gave him a hug, told him we had just prayed for our neighbor. It's going to be okay. We're going to check on them tomorrow, okay? We're going to let the emergency workers do what they're supposed to do. But she took him, hugged him, prayed for him, and sent him back upstairs. And as soon as that moment happened, church, I felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit. That I just delivered some harsh words to my family. Instead of ones that were gentle, instead of ministering in that moment, I sent some harsh words, some words that were even tinged with anger. And after, after we sent him back upstairs, my wife said, you responded to him pretty harsh. And I said, I know. I said, I know. And then the next day, I went to my son, my nine-year-old son. I said, look, the way that I responded to you was very harsh, and it was sinful. I said, I want you to know that no matter what, look, you, you can come to us no matter what it is. Like, that's what we want. We wanted to be gentle words exchanged in this house, and I messed up, and I did something wrong, and I did something sinful. Would you please forgive me? Church, look, I don't know if you came to this church because you thought Pastor Andrew was perfect. I thought maybe one person might say amen to that. <laughs> maybe you came because you're like, man, that dude dresses perfectly all the time. Look at that sweet plaid shirt he's wearing today. 
Maybe you can because, like, he talks real good, and that's not even true a lot of times as well. But I want you to know, look, if you thought you came to the perfect church, this ain't it. I'm not the perfect person, and I know many of you that you are not perfect as well. See, we are not called in this season. Look, the perfection of our faith is going to come. But right now, the Lord has called us to operate with these sincere hearts, hearts that are authentic toward others, authentic toward him. So that when we do mess up, yes, we confess it to the Lord, but man, we also confess it to one another. We admit when we are wearing these masks, even as hypocrites, but you know what? In Christ, we are no longer identified that way, and we don't have to stay that way either. Look, Christ knows that you don't have it all together. And he says, look, come to him with these true hearts, these sincere hearts full of faith. We need to remember that even in this season, no matter what season it is, we can turn to him with these true hearts, confessing our need for him even right now. Look, come on, church. We are on a mission, right? Coastal is on a mission to develop authentic followers of Jesus Christ. Not perfect but authentic, not holier than thou, but authentic. Look, this is how we move forward in our relationships. This is how we move forward in life when you see that in Christ, you are in process. Come on, right now, are you living in fakeness or with a true heart? Right now, are you living in hypocrisy or with authenticity? Right now, is there something that you need to settle with God? Right now, is there something that you need to even settle with someone else? Are they even sitting in this room right now next to you? Look, where else are you going to be? Where else are you going to go to be challenged to live authentically in this way? Look, we are not perfect, but we set our eyes on the author, the founder, and the perfecter of our faith. We need the church to help us to live with this type of authenticity. Not only that, church, number two, write this down. We need the church also to help push us forward together. We need the church to help continue to push us forward in this life with all the, all the division and disruption. We need the church to continue to help push us forward together. Look again at what the writer of Hebrews says in verse 22. He says, let us draw near. Look, if you have a good old analog Bible, good old paper Bible, I want you to circle every time in your Bible where the phrase let us or the phrase we or us is used in this passage right here. If you have a digital one, you can just highlight it as well. But the writer says, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. And again, in Old Testament, these are symbols that were used of purification, that you were in relationship with God, that your sins were being forgiven, that you were heading the right direction. And again, he's making the connection that these things are now fulfilled in Christ. And he says, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. He says, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope, that God is faithful, so let us draw near. 
He says, let us consider how to stir one another on to love and good works. Let us, let us, let us. Look, we don't have to do this life alone. And this let us, he's talking about right here, it's the church, the gathering of the believers. Look, to move forward together, he's saying, not neglecting meeting together like some had been in the habit of doing. And again, look, I get it for this first century church. The persecution was so great. They thought if they were in Christ, look, look, death literally could be their destiny. But he's saying, look, no matter what happens, to stay together, to be in Christ, this is how you move forward. He said, move forward in full assurance of faith. We need a pathway, church, in all of our relationships, a pathway to continue to move forward in this life, to keep the main thing the main thing, and to keep the less things the less things. And he's saying, look, we move forward together by full assurance of faith, drawing near, considering how to stir one another on to good works. He says, we don't do this alone. You do it together. And again, here at Coastal, we try to make this crystal clear. This is the pathway that we want you to take to grow in all of your relationships. And that's why we still need the church to move forward together. Look, here at Coastal, we want you to connect to God in corporate worship. And look, when we say the word corporate there, we're not talking about some sort of business aspect or anything like that. Man, we're talking about the community aspect, that we want to connect to God in corporate worship, that the us is when we come together in community to worship the Lord, that making Sundays a priority is paramount to our faith. Look, we want Sundays to be welcoming to guests, full of grace, but we never shy away from the truth on Sunday mornings. We want this to be a time, just like Pastor Hunter said a little bit earlier, where you leave here with these songs of worship in your heart, ready to tackle no matter what's going to come across your week during this week. We want this to be a time when you remember the gospel. And again, the good news of what Jesus has done. Again, it just wasn't for that one day or that one moment when you realize that you're a sinner in need of a Savior, but it is for every day. We want you to connect to God in corporate worship. But we also want you to grow in community through small groups and spiritual formations. Look, our small groups are not perfect, but we want them to be authentic. We want it to be a place where you can come and literally you can take the mask off, do some confession, move forward together. We want it to be a place where you're growing in what God has challenged us to do. And you're actually connecting and growing together in community with others where you can actually stir one another on to love and good works. We want you to grow in community through small groups. But then we also want us to serve in ministry and also in mission. Ministry is inside the church and mission is outside of the church. You know, one of the ways that we stir one another on and encourage one another is through service. In fact, serving others remind us about what the finish line of this life actually is. Serving one another reminds us that we have a greater purpose in this life than to be just focused on ourselves. And in fact, serving others as well helps other people know about the good news of who Jesus is. Look, I want to challenge you to join the let us by serving. Look, I'm telling you right now, church, there's a couple of very important volunteer roles, serving roles that we're praying for. Um, one of them that we're praying for is three to four more people to join on our security team. 
Look, we want to make sure that this place on Sunday morning is a safe place, especially for our kids' ministry, but for everyone that comes into this place. So we're praying for at least three to four more people to join on our security team. Look, we're praying for people who are drummers out there to drum on Sunday morning. Perhaps you've been wondering, where's the little guy who usually sits in this cage over here? Well, right now we only have one. But man, I've been praying that we would get at least three to four more drummers to join in on what God is doing here on a Sunday morning. And look, you don't have to be perfect at it, right? As long as you can apparently do a click track, whatever that thing is. And if you know what a chord chart is, whatever that thing is. Like, and if you've played drums before, look, we will help build you and train you and get you here. Look, none of these people are professionals up here that get paid, except the one guy gets paid, and we're sending him off to Williamsburg. So no matter who you are, look, there's a place for you to serve. Look, we're, we're praying right now for at least eight to ten more volunteers to serve in our kids' ministry. And how many of you guys know that our kids' ministry on Sunday morning isn't just some sort of babysitting? Look, even in our kids' ministry, we want to develop authentic followers of Jesus Christ. We want them even at a young age to see how important this relationship is with the church. This is a discipleship mentorship program. In fact, when you sign up to serve in kids, look, you aren't babysitting. You're literally training and mentoring the next generation of Jesus followers. Man, we're praying for more people to join on our facility team. Did you know that the grass that when it's cut around here, it isn't, again, done by professionals, but it's all done by volunteers? And all the volunteers around here, because of their service, saves this church like $70,000 a year because you volunteer in this way. Look, we literally could not be in ministry without people stepping into ministry and serving. Not only that, we want every single member to go on a missions trip. We want you to think not just in here, but out there. We want to take the gospel into our community and literally across the world. Man, we want everyone who is a member here, who goes here, whether you did it a long time ago or you've never been, we want to challenge you to go on a missions trip. And church, think about how crazy it is that someone would ask you to give up a week of vacation and probably spend between $1,500 and $3,000 to go across the world and to serve somebody else. But this is what God has called us to do. It keeps the main thing the main thing. We are called to serve others, to build one another up, to encourage them to follow Christ. And then uh, this is what the the newest thing we're doing uh, at Coastal, the next chapter, look, we want to multiply. We want to make disciples that make disciples that build the kingdom. Again, we don't want to keep what Jesus has done in us and through us just for us. We want to multiply other disciples, encouraging them, spurring one another on to be passionate followers of Jesus Christ. And that's coastal all across the board. It's one church meeting in multiple locations. But did you know that right here at Chesapeake, we have a vision within the vision to continue to move forward in these Christ-centered relationships? Look, this church right here on 1832 Elbow Road, look, I'm praying that this would be a multi-ethnic church. Right now, our community... It's about 53% white, about 25% black, and then about 10% Hispanic and about 7% Asian. And look, I believe if we really are sharing the gospel with our neighbors, if we're inviting people in who are in our community, look, we're going to look like our community. 
And I've always loved the fact that the Apostle John in Revelation chapter 7, verse 9, he had that vision of heaven where he looked out at all the people worshiping God. And he saw people from every tribe, every tongue, every language worshiping the Lord together. And I've always prayed, God, what if that happened right here? What if we got a little taste of heaven right here while we were on earth? And then even in Ephesians 2, like the Apostle Paul says, look, the dividing wall between the two groups, between Jew and Gentile, it has been torn down because of Christ. Again, the real unity that people are looking for is not found in a government program. It's not even found in some sort of lesson that people are trying to force you to take, but it's only found in Christ. What if we were a multi-ethnic church right here? But we also want to be multi-generational. Again, whether you are just coming out of the womb or whether you're getting closer to the tomb, we want you to know that you are, we try to, we're praying that you would be developed as an authentic follower of Jesus. Look, right now, no matter how young you are, no matter how old you are, God has a purpose for your life. There's a mission that you need to accomplish while you're still here on earth. Acts chapter 13, it says that David served this generation, then he died. So as long as there's still breath in your lungs, God has a calling for you. And we want to make sure that you are an authentic follower of Jesus, that you're fulfilling the mission that God has for you as long as there still is breath in your lungs. Probably one of my favorite moments of being here so far was um, last year when we did our trunk or treat. And I remember um, at night during that time, I know we had lots of our senior saints come out. But I remember Miss Ruby, who, again, she was a, you don't mind me saying your age anymore, right? Happy four. 95 years old, out there on a cold night, getting dark, serving hot dogs for kids so people could literally be invited in to hear the good news about Jesus. Again, no matter what age and stage you are, man, we want you to, to develop and to grow, to follow Jesus. But not only that, we want to be multi-invitational. Now, I still don't know if I have the right word for this yet, but listen to this passage here in Luke chapter 14, verse 21. This is a story of the great banquet, where Jesus um, is telling this story about this banquet master who invited all these people to come. And it was the people who typically had some sort of status that he invited to come to this great banquet. But then all those people started to make excuses. We can't come. I've got all these other things going on. I got these other things to focus on. And then the, the banquet master said this in verse 21. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Look, go quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and the crippled, and the blind, and the And the servant said, sir, what you have commanded has been done, and still there's room. The master said to the servant, look, go out to the highways and the hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. Church, let's fill this place. Again, what if this was the church? No matter your background, no matter how rich you were, I mean, if you were the type of person who could literally write a check today to pay off the mortgage for this place, or right now you're struggling to make your next bill paid. Well, this was a church where rich and poor were worshiping the Lord together. What if this was a place that the people who had it all together, even though we know you don't have it all together, 
were worshiping alongside the people who had special needs, who show that this is a place that is inviting for them, that loves them and cares for them. What if this was a place where no matter what your background is, again, no matter what your age and stages, you were actually invited and you were welcomed here? Let's fill this place. Look, until the day comes, we stir one another on. We encourage each other. We push each other forward to do what it is that God has called us to do. This isn't just a once in a while thing, okay? It isn't just for one day, church, but it is for today. Today, we are to live with one another authentically. Today, we are called to move forward in this life, this Christ-centered unity, encouraging one another until the Lord returns or until he calls us home. Look, here's the bottom line. In case you've been wondering if if that guy's still running out in the desert, in case you've maybe fallen asleep, here's the bottom line for today, okay? For our relationships to thrive, don't just go to church occasionally, but be the church authentically. Don't just go to church or even be the church occasionally, but live with this authentic, this true heart that God has called us to do. Look, as our worship team comes forward, I want to give you two practical steps that you can take this week. Look, you can do both of them, but I want to challenge you to do at least one of them, okay? So here are two steps to move forward. We're actually encouraging one another, stirring one another on this week. Uh, The first step that you can take is to simply to invite someone. You can invite someone by sharing the gospel with them or inviting them to come to church with you. In fact, all around on your seats are these little invite cards that we often print out. Um, and you can grab one of these. Again, I always encourage you, when you grab one, you take it and you pray, you pray over it. And you see, God, who is it that I need to invite to church or invite again to church this week? Come on, students in the room. Is there that, that person at school right now that they don't even know that you're a follower of Jesus yet? What if this is the week that you shared the gospel with them or invited them to come with you? That person that's been sitting in the cubicle next to you at work that has no idea that you know Jesus, what if this was the week that you simply asked them, hey, how can I pray for you? Or, hey, I know you've been talking about all these things, then I would love it if you came to church with me this week. What if this was the week that you invited someone or you even shared the gospel with them? So invite someone, encourage them with the good news of who Jesus is. But you can also serve someone this week. There's a couple of different ways that you can do that. First, maybe you can serve someone with a confession. Again, maybe one of the things that you need to do to encourage someone or stir them on is to simply admit that, look, I messed up and I haven't said this to you yet. I probably should have said it a long time ago, but I want to confess to you that I've messed up. Would you please forgive me? Look, you can serve someone this week with encouragement. In fact, I want to challenge you in this specific way, okay? Oftentimes, like people pop into our minds And sometimes, like, it could be for any reason. But this week, okay, if someone pops into your mind, I want to challenge you that you would send them a text message. Uh, You would call them even if that's the thing you would rather do. But I say, hey, you know what? You just popped into my mind. I'm praying for you, thinking about you. Man, I love you. I just want to encourage you. Is there anything I can do to serve you? Whenever that person is, whoever it is pops into your mind, may take a step to encourage one another, to stir one another on. And then also another way you can actually serve people by simply doing an act of service. Come on, what if we were the greatest servants in our homes, at work, 
in our school this week. Come on, when you came home from work and you see that pile of dishes in the sink and you're waiting for your spouse or your kids to do it, what if you did it and said, I'm gonna serve my family? What if this week you said, you know what, I'm gonna, hey, hey uh, my, my coworker, can, can, can I do those spreadsheets for you so you can leave early this week? Can, can, can I take that extra shift for you so that you can go on vacation earlier, be with your family? What is a way that you can serve someone else this week? Again, let's not be the church occasionally, but let's be the church authentically, all the time, always, no matter where it is that the Lord has us until he comes back or until he calls us home. Let me pray for you. Father, again, Lord, I thank you so much for your word. And God, I thank you that this church in Hebrews, in the first century, God, they were under so much persecution. God, they were wondering if it was even worth it to follow Jesus. God, thank you for the reminder that it is. And I pray, God, as you continue to sanctify us, Lord, help us to see that, look, we're not going to live this life perfectly, Lord, but we can live it authentically. Help us, Lord, to, to live it in you with true hearts, sincere hearts that admit when we mess up to you, but also admit when we mess up to each other. But God, I pray that we would see just how important this relationship with the church is. God, we need the church to push us on, to push us forward in this life, to live together authentically, to live this life to the full. God, help us to invite, help us to serve, to encourage one another to do what is good and what is loving in you. Love you, God, in Jesus' name.